From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. The avalanche of allegations out of federal parliament in recent weeks has made it clear that workplace sexual harassment is still commonplace in Australia. But it's also revealed that the law that's supposed to protect women from harassment doesn't actually extend to politicians. Today, writer for the Saturday paper, Chris Wallace, on the surprisingly dramatic history of Australia's Sex Discrimination Act and the moves to update it for this current moment. Chris, I wanted to start by asking you about what it was like as a woman in the workplace in the 80s before there was any protection at all by law against sexual harassment. What was the situation? When I picked up the paper on a Saturday morning and went to the job ads, extraordinarily, Ruby, they were divided into men and boys and women and girls. Can you believe it? Mm. I mean, this is the early 80s. It's that recent. It was a time when, you know, really if you were sexually harassed at work, it was just kind of semi-routine. What could you do about it? Uh, As a woman, you could be sacked for getting married, for becoming pregnant, or simply for being a woman. So it was an extraordinary situation for women in the labour market. In Australia, perhaps more than any other country, we believe that a woman's place is in the home. All over these suburbs fly the white flags of domestic surrender. We had, at the time, the most sex-segregated labour market in the industrialised world. But when I uh, arrive at the interview, however, they see, of course, immediately that I'm a woman and the interview is immediately closed. So it was a very hostile landscape for women in the workplace. Uh, One company told me that I might be raped if I go into the plant. Others tell me that the laboratory is in a dirty part of the plant and it would be unsuitable for a woman. And uh, that's why Susan Ryan really was hell-bent on making this bill happen. Mm. So can you tell me a bit about Susan Ryan and about the bill that she set in motion to try and address the situation that you're describing? Susan Ryan was a really remarkable Australian and I think, you know, someone that we deserve to think about putting up a statue to for her remarkable achievement in creating the Sex Discrimination Act. I don't know, it's reinforced the view that I've been developing over the last couple of years, that women have to take over, if I can use that phrase, it's what I mean, I must well use it, <laughs> take over the bureaucracy and take over the political machines as far as possible. I mean, uh, she was a feminist activist in Canberra. She won pre-selection for the Labor Party to run as an ACT senator and uh, became a Labor senator. The total picture is one of inequality between the sexes, an inequality that has real consequences in terms of poverty, unhappiness, waste of talent and human resources. And drawing deeply on her women's movement experience and her experience of practical Labor politics, she took a very strategic approach to this very important piece of legislation. Well, can the law help? I believe that the law has a unique and positive role to play in removing discrimination. So in opposition, she drafted a private member's bill and that bill, Susan Ryan, took to the federal parliament from opposition as an opposition senator, uh, tabled it, and it was really kind of a, a stake in the ground to say, this is legislatively what's got to happen. Here's the bill, here's how to do it. And then she marshalled support around it within the Labor Party to make sure that when Labor was in government, that bill would actually go forward and 
have a chance of becoming law. Despite our federal structure, we are one nation. And I suggest that in such a basic area as human rights, all Australians ought to have equal rights and equal protection against infringement of those rights. It was the first bill in the world to include the words sexual harassment. It was really, really path-breaking. There were a couple of bills around in some states that had some anti-discrimination measures, but, but this was the really gold standard internationally for tackling sex discrimination and actually making sexual harassment in the workplace illegal. It was tremendously controversial uh, from the absolute get-go and a hell of a fight had to be fought to get it through Parliament. OK, let's talk about that fight. What happened? So the situation for the Hawke government, which is typical for governments generally in Australia, is that they controlled the House of Representatives, but they did not control the Senate. They did not have a majority in the Senate. So while they could get it through the House of Representatives, Labor had a real fight on its hands to get enough numbers to enable the sex discrimination bill to pass the Senate. Ryan was pretty much crucified as the Antichrist by conservative forces attacking the bill, who put around the most extraordinary ideas about what would actually happen if it passed. So, for example, uh, its opponents accused Ryan of setting up a situation where truck drivers would be forced to drive across the Nullarbor plane with female co-drivers and that their marriages would be destroyed by the enforced proximity in the cabin of the truck. They falsely claimed things like there would be female posties whose backs would be broken trying to wrangle the motorbikes they had to ride. Mm. They, they said that film and theatre directors would have to put women in male roles because of the force of, of, of the sex discrimination bill if it was passed. Ridiculous ideas. Now, this appears to be the point of view of uh, a fairly recently formed lobby group with the rather strange name of Women Who Want To Be Women. Groups like Women Who Want To Be Women, who Ryan used to call the four Ws, uh, and their supporters besieged talkback radio, daytime television, uh, sent massive amounts of mail and petitions to, to MPs, usually on pink paper. I think, actually, I think women are in great danger of being dominated by women, being told to liberate themselves by doing what other women want them to do. That, to me, is a great danger. Whole... Ryan really was under unbelievable pressure as opponents in the Senate to the bill filibustered, that is, they, they dragged out the debate for months and months and months, trying to wear Ryan and Labor down and give up on the bill. But Ryan was one tough character and she did not give up. She wore the, the assault and she got that bill through Parliament in, in an absolutely heroic performance. But the Sex Discrimination Bill, which became, of course, the Sex Discrimination Act in 1984, was built around the idea of employers having obligations toward employees. And it wasn't really a matter that people were conscious of at the time, but MPs and judges don't fit the technical definition of either employer or employee in our legal system. So really, MPs and judges kind of slip through the cracks We'll be back after this.
The city of London in Andrew O'Hagan's latest novel is crumbling. But don't mistake this for pessimism. Instead, the author insists it's a necessary process for a better future. Change doesn't just happen because it's time for a change. Change has to be forced. We live in the end not in countries that are settled places. They're just imagined communities. I'm Michael Williams, and on this week's Read This, I sit down with Andrew O'Hagan to discuss his latest, Caledonian Road. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. As a a. 7am listener, you're already familiar with many of the journalists who work for The Saturday Paper. For a limited time, subscribe to Australia's leading independent news source, The Saturday Paper, and you'll receive The Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. Chris, we've been talking about the way the Sex Discrimination Act came into existence, but we've recently become aware of some of its shortcomings. One of those is that it doesn't actually cover the conduct of all people. It doesn't include politicians, for example. So can you tell me more about that? So when the Dyson Hayden revelation occurred 10 months ago... From High Court judge to accused sexual predator, his target, six young female associates who had just joined the High Court. They were young women in their first job in the legal profession. To their horror, they were sexually harassed by a judge of the High Court. There was a realisation that there was no law that could really convict Dyson Hayden for doing this. And the reason was that... Under the Sex Discrimination Act, in terms of action on sexual harassment, you've got to be an employer to be liable. So because judges aren't employers in the legal sense, there was no actual legal action that could be taken in relation to this kind of allegation. Now, in in subsequent months, of course, sexual assault allegations have emerged against politicians and staffers in Parliament House, and the realisation has occurred MPs too aren't uh, employers in this legal sense. So suddenly there was an awareness that, wow, there's this whole group of people, uh, judges and MPs, who should be subject to the same sexual harassment laws as every other Australian and just aren't. Now, as people have had this kind of dawning realisation, the idea has taken hold that they were somehow exempted from the original act. They weren't. It's simply a matter of how the sex discrimination bill was drafted in the first place, which then, of course, became law, became an act. Because they don't fit this technical definition of employer, they don't fit under the umbrella of the act. Now, Senator Ryan was probably not aware of this at the time when she was getting the bill through Parliament. Today, uh, many years later, Zali Stegall, the independent member for Warringah, has looked at the situation and gone, well, I've got a private member's bill to solve this problem. The events exposed in Parliament House over the past month have highlighted the urgent need to amend the Act to ensure that members of Parliament are liable for and protected from sexual harassment. Mm. So let's talk about Zali Stegall's private member's bill. What exactly is she proposing to do to update the Sex Discrimination Act? Zali Stegall has uh, consulted the Law Council of Australia and come up with a very elegant drafting solution to, to the problem of how to bring in MPs and judges into the ambit of the Act. Following the Dyson Hayden inquiry, the Law Council of Australia launched its National Action Plan to address sexual harassment in the legal profession, 
which recommends that the Sex Discrimination Act be amended to include the language that a person must not sexually harass another person and e- So she's proposing this very simple thing, deleting the clauses in the existing Sex Discrimination Act, outlining the circumstances where it is prohibited and replacing those provisions with a blanket prohibition of sexual harassment. And when she tabled it on March the 15th, I think she was hopeful that people would listen, that there would would be support. She's certainly been very active in trying to alert coalition MPs to how simple and effective this change would be. Since then, the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, in his response to the Respect at Work report from Sex Discrimination Commissioner Kate Jenkins, has announced that the government agrees this should happen. Mm -hmm. However, in the same breath, he referred to drafting difficulties in drawing judges and MPs within the net of the Act. Now, either Scott Morrison hasn't done his homework and read Zali Segal's very short and effective bill, or it may signal that he's not really that interested in making it happen, for real. If Scott Morrison really wants to fix this problem of judges and MPs not being subject to the Act, he could do it very fast. Let's see if he will. Women just aren't giving up. The revelations keep coming, the anger keeps growing, people are coming up with constructive ideas like Stegall has in this instance. And if he thinks everyone's going to go away and shut up, I think he's sadly mistaken. Mm. And there is a lot of anger at the allegations that have been coming out of Canberra in the past month or two. And I just wonder what you think someone like Susan Ryan, the original architect of the Sex Discrimination Act, who did pass away last year, would make of this current situation that we're in at the moment. Susan Ryan was such a wise, knowledgeable, experienced, seasoned person. She would really cast a gimlet eye on what's going on at the moment and uh, I think take great joy in the fact that women are rising up and again doing something about the terrible situations so many are subjected to. I think she'd very strongly endorse the approach Steggles proposed. I think in government she would have immediately made this kind of move to fix this gap in the bill. And in fact, looking back on the bill later in life, she said one of the strengths of the Sex Discrimination Act as they crafted it was its ability to sustain and absorb change as social change occurred. I think she'd be enormously pleased that it's happening and um, I'm sure she's sitting up there in secular heaven sending some lightning bolts down in support of it. Chris, thank you so much for your time today. Pleasure, Ruby. Special thanks to the National Film and Sound Archive for providing the audio of Senator Susan Ryan speaking at the Women's Rights Conference in 1980. This year, the Saturday paper celebrates 10 years as Australia's leading independent newspaper. In that time, it's built a peerless reputation for quality journalism, for telling stories that are ignored elsewhere. It's the essential account of the week in politics, culture and news. When you read the Saturday paper, you don't need to read anything else. Subscribe today from just $2.10 per week. 
Visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash subscribe. The Saturday Paper. The whole story. Also in the news today, New South Wales has recorded three locally acquired COVID-19 cases after the virus was transmitted in hotel quarantine. Health officials said three members of a family staying in hotel quarantine had acquired the virus from another group of guests in an adjacent room. Investigations are underway examining how the transmission occurred. And China and the United States have announced they'll push for stronger international climate change reduction commitments by the end of the year. The two governments will work together on developing low emissions technology and funding renewable energy projects around the world. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.